So all the children from about, what, 3 to 10, right, can head out back for Children's Church. Let me just say this yet. It's really good to see Narita here today. Um, and I, I text with Marcus this morning, um, and it's just, it just keeps dragging for him, and it's been really discouraging. So I would ask you guys to at least consider, like, send him a text, something to encourage him to try to brighten his day. Because that gets, that gets old, gets discouraging when you don't have the strength to do things that you normally do. So um, let's keep praying for Marcus and Narita both in that. All right, so we've got something really special in store for you this morning. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Beside me here is a young man who's been itching for the opportunity to share something with the church that God's laid on his heart. So Benson and I this morning for the message, we're going to tag team. Um, he's going to share what, what he has, and then they'll come up, and we'll just we'll kind of work together and work our way through um, the sermon today. So I'm going to pray for Benson, and then I'll let him take it. God, I just lift up Benson um, to you this morning. Thank you for the heart of love that you've given him for you, and I pray that you would calm his nerves this morning. And I pray that you would just speak to us through him and encourage us and encourage his heart as he shares with us. And may we all learn this morning and may we all draw closer to you um, from what we hear from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you go to the hospital nowadays, one of the things that's like changed is that only about like one person can be with the patient in the hospital. And when I went to the hospital, I had hip surgery, and they put, like, two screws up into my hips. And um, I was, like, wheeling around church for about three Sundays. And uh, for me, it was the same thing. I only had one person in the hospital for me. It was dad. It was awesome having him there. Had somebody to talk to. And... Um, but I still missed, like, the other people in my family, like Mom, Kendall, Lance. Mom was probably the biggest one. And I think one time we FaceTimed, but still, like, you still, like, can't wait until you see them face-to-face. And it hap- this is what happens when you love someone. That's why we come to church, we sing songs, and um, sometimes it's about loving and praising Jesus. Sometimes we come to church... We listen to the message, we go home, back on maybe sleep, play video games for the rest of the day, fall asleep. Next Monday morning, it's back to school, job, and you don't think anything of it. I'm like, guilty, by the way. I've definitely done this before. And I've tried to do, I've tried to do better. Um, but it's just the way it is sometimes. But, uh, we should, you should take every church service as an opportunity to become closer to Jesus and have like a longing for eternal life with Him. If you could turn your copies of the scripture to Luke 9, 59. In the verse, he's talking with people about that want to follow them, want to follow him, but he's telling them they're not doing it the correct. They have the wrong mindset when they're talking with him. He says, "He said to another person, 'Come, follow me.' 
The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. When I read this verse for the first time, I interpreted it as like, The man wanted to go home, go to the funeral, and literally bury his father, and then he was going to go follow Jesus. And dad was like, no, no, you can't just do that. you got to do some research on that. And we have a book that, like, explains scripture. And um, we found that in their culture and the time period, that when somebody suggested they wanted to go home and care for their father, it meant they were going to go home and... They were going to care for him until he died or passed away. And then he wanted to go follow Jesus. And he was saying this because he didn't want to go follow Jesus because it wasn't very convenient. He wanted to wait until it was a more convenient time in his life. And it's, it's like a lot to take in at one time. So I brought a little thing to make it a little bit more visual. So imagine the rope represents a timeline, a timeline of your life. Imagine you know, it goes on forever, wraps around the world a couple, two or three times. Anyway, and then the little black tape part represents your life on earth. And this represents after you die with Jesus or without him. And it's so shocking because this little part is minuscule compared to all of that and all of this and some people like this determines where you go and what happens when you die and some people were like oh I want to save here so I can live better here and then I want to I want to save some money here I eat better two years down the road and and you're, you're not thinking about all of this all of this is still here and this all matters and determined by this And you don't have a second chance after that. What once you come to the end, and some for some people you don't know if you're going to have that long. You might, your life might be cut short for some reason, and you should live life like as if you were never going to have another day. And yeah, I just—it's shocking. Like I've done it. I see people do it. You see people do it all the time, and they're so like focused on right now. You're not you're not thinking about the rest of it, and how. And I think it's just shocking that even to do that. And anyway, um, yeah. And I think I'm gonna turn the time over to Chris now. So I'm gonna leave the robe out.
Sorry, hats off to Benson, right? The brave, brave young man. I don't know how many of you have seen that illustration before. I had seen it before years ago. I had seen it. It's a powerful, powerful picture when you look at, like he said, that little speck right there, that little itty-bitty little part that's your life, and eternity is for forever. It continues on without end. Um, So, Benson, a huge thank you for sharing that today. So, what Benson shared, the part about our life now and the part about eternity that he shared about is the importance of coming to know Jesus, not putting off this idea of following Jesus, like that example that he read in Scripture, when it's more convenient or, and all that. So where I'm going to pick up now is most of us, I think, have come to the place where we've made that decision to follow Jesus. And so at times in our lives, I think this little piece can seem like a really, really long time, if we get, if, depending on what we're focusing on. So what I want to do just for a couple minutes here is look at a, look at a, a passage of Scripture, a couple of verses that are really familiar that talk about perseverance and continuing on pursuing um, in our lives. Paul writes about that a lot. He writes about perseverance. Once we've made that decision to follow Jesus, how do we keep persevering? How do we not get to a place where we just oh, fizzle out and give up, where we just we tire out and we say, oh, man, or we come to a place where we start to relax and say, oh, I've done, I've done enough now. I'm going to quit. How do we live with this mindset of that long part of the rope? How do we live with that part as the, the, in the forefront of our minds, and how does that actually impact and affect how I live today? How does that impact then how I live and make my decisions for everyday life? Um, so if you want to now turn to Philippians chapter 3, you are in Luke chapter 9, and now we're going to Philippians chapter 3. You just want to read three verses, and just um, point out just a couple of, give you a couple thoughts from this this passage, and the idea with perseverance, and what I if I'd have to title my part of it anything, I just say keep your eyes on the prize. What's coming at the end? When in the language that's used in this passage, it's referring to a race. It talks about a race, and Paul I, I see does that a lot. He uses analogies like he does here in other places where running with race, the pers- with perseverance, the race that is set before us, you know that scripture. Um, and you, you gain, when you have the right perspective, when you keep your eyes on the prize and you're in the middle of the race, if it's a long race for sure, it gives you the strength sometimes to continue on when you would like to quit. Anyway, so we're in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14 is what I'm going to read here today. Paul says this, not that I have already obtained this or that I'm not already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How do we attain, 
How do we keep our eyes focused on the prize? He's, he, Paul says in verse 14, the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. <clears throat> so let me just give you four observations from this passage that, that I think Paul would tell us that would help, can help, us, help us to continue to persevere. So we've made the decision to follow Christ. How do we continue? How do we persevere until the end? How do we remain faithful until the very end of our lives? First thing I'd like you to look at is in verse 12. And I'd say this, run with humility. Notice how Paul, he says that I have not yet attained or am already perfect. He's not there. He's not attained something. He's not reached a certain level in his life where he's now completed something. And we'll go back. We're going to go back to the first part of that chapter here in a little bit as well. But when you're running a race, not, I hate, almost hate to use the runner's analogy, but that's what he's talking about because I'm not much of a runner. Others in here are incredible runners. But when, you, when you're running a race, you haven't attained anything until you've actually crossed the finish line. While you're running, you have not actually attained something other than the ability to keep on running. But what I, what I see sometimes in my own life, um, I see it in other believers sometimes as well, but when I look at my own life, what would happen? So what would happen if a runner halfway through decided, hey, I've done enough. I, I've given it enough. I'm just going to take it easy from now on. One thing, one, thing that I, one thing I noticed, this is how it works for me, when I, when I would go run, if I don't have set in my mind beforehand exactly how far I'm going to go, if I go in with the mindset, I'm just going to see how far I can go, how I feel, then I'll turn around and come back. Give it up. I mean, I'm never going to get anywhere. It will be a short run, I guarantee you. But if I, before I start the race, if I know exactly how far I'm going to go, I go in with that mindset, it, you can somehow churn out another extra half mile for me, five miles for some other guys. But you, you can actually do that if you go in with that kind of a mindset. But if you go in through a race and somehow in the middle of the race, you decide you've given it enough. Now it's time that someone else can, can go now. I'm just going to sit down and rest for a while. Do I live my Christian life that way sometimes? I've invested enough. I've given enough. I can take it easy for a while. It's like a, don't they say a shark? A shark, as soon as they quit swimming, they die or something like that? I think there's something like that. Or look at, you're paddling upstream. If you're in a canoe, you're paddling upstream. If you stop paddling, you're drifting downstream. Um, and that's, that's part of this. Don't think that you have actually obtained anything until we get to the end of this piece right here. Don't think we've ever attained anything. But there's more to what he's saying as well. Is I think there's something in, the, in this that I've not already attained. This is Paul. This guy wrote most of the New Testament. He's done amazing things already at this point in his life. He's in prison right now. But there's something in that... When we run with humility, we recognize that we're running with others and that we need each other to complete the race. There's something, at least for me, that really clicks. If I have someone to run with, 
makes a world of difference versus when I run alone. And so there's, there's this great need that we have in our lives of running alongside someone else and someone else running alongside you. So we run with humility because we've not accomplished anything or we've not actually attained the goal. And so we need to run with each other and encourage each other so that we can attain at the end. What's he talking about? What's he talking about what he's not attained yet? <clears throat> Go back to verse 10. This is, what, this is what Paul is striving to attain, and this should be the goal of my life and your life as well. It said, not that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Is that your driving force in life? Sometimes when I, I think in my own life, perhaps the goal, the prize, isn't... Perhaps I undervalue the prize the, at the end of my life. Maybe I just look at it, is Jesus and being with Jesus for eternity, is that the driving force in my life? Do I really... Is that really worth everything in my life for me to give everything in my life where I could even say becoming like him in his death is something that I long for so that I can attain his resurrection? We run with humility and then we stay focused. We stay focused. There's setbacks. There's disappointments, right? It's part of life. Those things happen in our lives. There's failures in our past that can distract us. There's pain, the heartache of loss, of disappointment. And sometimes those things can take us, our minds completely off the course. See, the course for your life, the course for my life, the course that we're running has been laid out before us. I didn't choose the course. God chose the course. And when I allow those distractions, those things to take my eyes off the course, or I take my eyes off Jesus, or maybe, maybe I should say it this way. Sometimes I look at, or we can look at failures, those disappointments, those hard things that we hit in life. We can look at those things as um, somewhere we missed the mark and we've gotten off course. And sometimes we get off course and God uses those to bring us back. back. But oftentimes those dis- disappointments, those the losses that we experience, those are all a part of the course that God has set out before us, the, part, the course that we are called to run. And when I focus only on those, it gets discouraging, and I get tired, and I get weary. But when I turn my eyes to Jesus, something changes. But why? Why does, something, why does it change when I turn my eyes on Jesus? Because when you think about those things in your lives, those, those disappointments, the heartaches, all of that, Jesus walked through those very things before you. He doesn't set out a course for you to go through with your life that he has not gone through before. Jesus has gone the course before you, and it takes the weariness. I'm sorry. And, and, and when we keep our eyes on him, we stay focused, and so that takes intentionality, very serious t- intentionality to stay focused on life. So we, we hit those obstacles that can distract us, 
But there's also a weariness that can overtake our bodies and our minds. We can get emotionally just drained sometimes. Um, when someone runs long distances, I've not experienced this because I'm smart enough to not run 100 miles, but, but I, I hear stories of guys when you run long distances where you, all of a sudden you hit a wall and your body begins to shut down. We hit those times in our spiritual lives as well. And so when, and when we hit those, there's got to be something bigger than we're striving for than just to keep running. We have to be running with purpose and with an end in mind. So press on, hold on to Jesus because he has run this race before you. Thirdly, don't look back. Don't look back. Paul says, forgetting what is behind. There's a great story that I came across um, back in 1954. There was, they called them the British Games, similar to what the Olympics are today. The Winter Olympics are going right now, right? Um, so those are fun to watch. But back in 1954, they called them the British Games, and they were held in Vancouver, B.C. There was a guy by the name of John Landry from Australia, and another guy by the name of Roger, Roger Bannister. He was from England. Two guys that had previously broken the four-minute mile. So they were running a one-mile race, and both of these men had, were coming into this race, the one-minute mi- or the, the one-mile run. Both of them had bro- broken that. It was just one of those, man. If you can break that barrier, that's huge, right? So this was this was this race was hyped up. There were thirty-five thousand people there watching the race. Um, it had been it had been um, broadcasted or, or spread. And being sold as the mile of the century is what it was called. But after the race, it became known as the miracle mile. And here's what happened. With all these people, all this hype, the race started, and they were off on this one-mile run, giving it all they got. And they were, as they neared the finish line, John Landry was actually in the lead just by a little bit, because they're really good runners. They're really close together. And about 90 yards from the finish line, John Landry goes like this, looks back over his left shoulder to try to figure out where his opponent is. And as he did that, Roger Roger Bannister surged past him on the right and won the race by just a split second. So just that little look back, that little glance back, trying to see what was behind him, cost him the very race that he had set out to win. And both men actually finished under a four-minute mile. It was the first time that it had ever happened in history. There was a photograph that was taken of John Landry looking back and Roger Bannister surging past him on the right. And they actually, it ended up being turned into a big bronze statue of Landry looking back and the other guy passing him. And when, when that was made, John Landry said this, says, after seeing that sculpture, he said, while Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt for looking back, I am probably the only one ever turned into bronze for looking back. I thought that was kind of humorous. But this idea of looking back, always looking back, looking what's behind me. And when you look at what Paul is talking about in verse in verse 13, forgetting what is behind, if you don't forget what's behind you, you can't strain for what's in front of you. He's not necess- I don't think Paul is referring to 
the failures of the things so much that are behind us. But if you go back and you read the first part of the chapter from verse 4 down through, I think it's about verse 8, where Paul tells us about all his accolades, all his accomplishments, all this stuff that he had done, how zealous he was for God. Yes, it was wrong. It was twisted because he was missing the mark of Jesus. But all that, he said, it's rubbish. I think what Paul is telling us is the things that I once deemed to be successful, how I define success in my life, that's now behind me, and I don't look back at that anymore. My eyes are securely fixed on Jesus. You could talk about the children of Israel. They're looking back. They're longing for what was. And sometimes when life gets hard as Christians, there's this tendency to look back, boy, it could be easier if I just did X, Y, Z. Um, but the lesson for us is don't look back. So we run with humility. We stay focused on, our pri- on the prize, and we don't look back. And then lastly, and I'll close with this, is pursue with intensity. The language that Paul uses here in these verses are, are ones of serious intensity. He uses the word press I think it's at least twice how you press on towards something and straining for what is ahead. So there's this, this straining. You see runners, when they, you have a, um, the finish line is here, you see them at the end kind of make this lunge to try to get across the finish line first. That's the, that's the idea of this straining for what's ahead. It's this, this constant longing for this part of our lives that's going to go on for all of eternity all of eternity in front of us. And this part here, when I stay focused on the prize, do you ever heard that saying, you can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good? Yeah, I can see that. But there's also a point when we can be so earthly minded that we forget about the heavenly prize that's waiting for us. Because there's something much bigger, there needs to be something much bigger than just the right here and the right now that drives me, that gives me the persistence to continue to pursue and to strain for the things that lie ahead of me. So what what happens? What happens in your life? Think about this in your own life. Maybe in the next week, do this and try to be intentional with thinking about it. How will it affect the decisions that you make this week? How will it affect the decisions that I make? How I talk, the language that I use, all those things if I keep my eyes fixed on the prize, if I keep my eyes fixed on eternity, will it affect, well, maybe this earning this extra money or whatever so I can live with ease right here. Maybe that's not quite as important as I thought it was. Will it affect my courage, my ability to witness to someone when I'm keeping my eyes on the prize, when I look at the eternity that's in front of us rather than just staying focused on this little bitty part that is my life here on earth. So let me encourage you with just one more phrase from going back to verse 12. We talk about the things that we do and the the driving force in our lives. What does Paul say is the driving force of why he does, he presses on, why he continues to strain ahead, why he forgets what is behind him. He says, the end of verse 12, because Jesus, Christ Jesus has made me his own. I think the, um, maybe the King James, some other translations use the word apprehended. 
Jesus has apprehended his life. That means he is now in possession of Jesus. Jesus now has taken complete control of his life, and the things that were important to him and the things that were important to me are no longer as important to me. What matters to me is that Jesus has called me and made me his own, and that's the driving force in my life. So as you run the race this week, we always need, we, we always, always need encouragement. So be encouraged to persevere, continue to press on, because what the trials of this life are, they're, they're short. They seem big at the moment, and they are. I'm not trying to minimize them. But in light, if we can look at those things in light of eternity, and the fact that Jesus Christ walked the very path, he ran the race that you are running, you and I are running, so that he could make us his own. So we have a high priest, not don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the very things that we are experiencing in life as we run the race. So continue on, pursue intensely Jesus Christ and your eternal reward in heaven. It's going to be worth it, I promise. It'll be so worth it. All right, I'm going to invite you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Benson, thank you for instigating this. I love what you did for us here today. Anyone else wants the opportunity to let me know? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for the the life that you have given to us and the, the life that you continue to breathe into us every day. God, as we are continue on our journey of life, I pray that we, we would keep you the center of our focus. And as we, as we focus our eyes on you and on eternity, and that eternity that we get to spend with you, may it impact every decision that we make in our lives this next week. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be dismissed.